Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19. Amen. Again, as a reminder, Apostolic Crusaders nationally uh, still having uh, services and programs provided on Friday uh, evenings throughout this month. And so uh, consider that. Some mothers might have a relief because uh, the official ending of the school year took place on Friday. So now those Chromebooks and e-learning and all those other things you're going to return to the school this week and maybe with a sigh of relief and deeper appreciation for those that teach your kids throughout the year normally. Um, John chapter number 19. I want to begin reading with verse number 23 and uh, read a few verses of scripture here. The Bible says, starting in verse 23, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts. I want to pause here real quick because someone might think I'm about ready to go into an Easter sermon that just happened not long ago. Don't ask me how this happens. It just happens sometimes. Nonetheless, made four parts to every soldier apart and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. So we have this setting, of course, of the cross. Different people are around there, some closer than others. Four women are close. One among them is the mother of Jesus. And from the cross, as it seems to be depicted in Scripture, the Bible speaks that Jesus saw his mother. I want to minister this morning on this Mother's Day simply this. Consider your mother. Consider your mother. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you today. Oh, Lord, we are so thankful for this time that we're able, Lord, to spend with you. We're thankful, Lord, on this, Lord, uh, important, Lord, occasion of Mother's Day, God, that we're able to come to the house of worship, spend it with you, and be reflective, Lord, over mothers that you have given into our lives. God, that mother that you stationed even from the very beginning to be a part of that first family that, Lord, sets precedence. Lord, all throughout Scripture, Lord Jesus, even for others, you wanted, Lord, there to be a family, Lord, consisting of a husband and a wife, a mother and a father, Lord, for children. We're grateful today. God, for that example, Lord Jesus, for that institution, Lord Jesus, in the home and those roles and how important they are and how they play out in our lives. Give us, Lord, I pray, God, wisdom and knowledge according to your scripture today. And Lord Jesus, to learn something of you in this. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. 
Amen and amen. God bless you this morning in Jesus' name. To the general of the Japanese armies at Iwo Jima during World War II, a heroic fight meant one in which all his men would die. There were no medals for survivors in the Japanese army, only for the heroic dead. The Japanese troops on Iwo Jima were hardened veterans. All their young lives, their heads had been filled by military propaganda in grade school, high school, and now in the army. Since their youth, they had been told how true Japanese heroes always died with the emperor's name on their lips. Death on the battlefield was glorified for the home front, but the veterans knew the last word of a boy dying in battle was someone else's name, not the emperor's. It was the name all troops throughout history had cried out with their last breath. It was rendered in different tongues, but the meaning was universal. His last word was invariably, Okasan. The German would cry, mutter. The English and Americans, mother, mom, or mommy. Many of these men have seen unthinkable atrocities upon the battlefield. They've experienced loss and pain on levels others would never experience. And although veterans of war, they were infants of their own deaths. Perhaps in the most fading moments of their lives and their minds, they could turn toward home. And the one who was a constant moderator of their home, they would remember their mother. It is mom that carries the child for nine months in her uterus before anyone carries it in their arms. During that time, her diet is the diet of the baby. She feels its first movements. She knows its waking and sleeping hours. She is the primary nurturer and in many ways continues to be so even after birth. Today we have the soccer moms carting their children around to sporting events and other curricular activities. They drop off uniforms and science projects. They return to schools for forgotten homework in lockers underneath books and dirty laundry. And they return to school sometimes just to take their children because they were running late in the morning. They ensure their kids have been fed. Uh, they finish their homework. And of course, hopefully they brush their teeth. They are the champions of many areas, but certainly the all-time champs of the home. It's there in the home that mom puts band-aids on the boo-boos and food on the table. It's there she reads bedtime stories and tucks her little ones in at night. It's there that she settles arguments among her children and advises the decisions of her teens. She is nurse, custodian, referee, cook, counselor, and the list could go invariably on. She is mom. But this motherly role has heightened interest in the first century of the scripture of the New Testament. And even perhaps before, we read, of course, the thing, Proverbs 31, that speaks of the virtuous woman in Scripture. Proverbs 31 tells us that she looked well to the way of her household and that both her husband and her children arise and call her blessed and give praise unto her. For one thing, Judaism in the first century had emerged from a Old Testament oriented patriarchal tradition in which women were considered the property of men. 
the Jewish historian Josephus says that they were often put in the same category as slaves or as auction or as other possessions that an individual would have had. They predominantly had no education, no legal status, therefore no rights. Their testimony was inadmissible in the courts. They had no role in society except procreation. They had the value of childbearing to themselves. In the New Testament scripture, when there was the Greek influence or the Hellenization of society, it caused some of the factions of the Jews to even strengthen their practices of keeping the woman, so to speak, in her place as they had known in order for them not to lose her position altogether. Therefore, women heavily invested themselves as a result of that into their role as mothers. They took the challenges of the home into their care and poured themselves into the home. If their value was found in childbearing, then perhaps their child rearing could be equally as valued. And so at the foot of the cross, no less, we see the immeasurable value of women and particularly motherhood. Women were despised and often unnoticed. And in a culture marked by the underappreciation of women, Jesus brings attention to his mother from the cross. The Bible says that Jesus saw his mother. Crucified persons were often surrounded by friends. They were surrounded by relatives. They were surrounded, of course, by their enemies. Here at the base of the cross, there are four soldiers standing there. These are the men that are responsible for having crucified him. They have parted his clothes. They have gambled for his undergarment. They are stationed there, of course, to guard him. But they are not the only ones found at the foot of the cross uh, four soldiers, four men, but there are also four women standing near the cross as well. Typically, the soldiers wouldn't allow anybody too close to the cross lest they interfere with the crucifixion fiction lest they interfere with what was going on but they probably were thinking in their mind what threat was these women what threat were these women that have no rights and no no status uh, had the status equal if you will by most most scholars would say equal to that of property if that was their thought they underestimated the threat of a mother the mother of Jesus she had already done her quote-unquote damage so to speak though prior to them ever coming to the foot of the cross the Bible speaks in Scripture for us here that Daddy Joseph is not mentioned. The last time that we have record of Joseph in Scripture is when Jesus was 12 years old in the temple asking questions, answering some of those that were there in the temple. That's the last time we read of Joseph. He's not found at the foot of the cross. Joseph may already be dead since the Palestinian Hebrew women of that hour were some of the poorest in the world they needed the patriarchal household in order to survive and so it's possible that Joseph is dead and if Joseph is dead that's quite possible why Jesus looked to John and said John behold your mother and he looked to his mother and said behold your son because he was trying to take care of his mother probably because Joseph was already dead had he still been alive Joseph would have taken 
taking care of Mother Mary. Furthermore, at the foot of the cross, the Bible doesn't record any of the siblings of Jesus Christ as being at the foot of the cross. The Bible tells us that both his brothers, he had both brothers and sisters, but it conveys to us that those, his brethren, his relatives, they did not even believe in Jesus. They did not even believe in his responsibility, in his role that he was to fulfill here upon the earth. The Bible goes further to tell us that Jesus' own people rejected him. Undoubtedly, some of the very ones that had said earlier, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, were some of the same ones that turned and said, crucify him. And you would think, for a moment, if you had given yourself particularly three years of your life to some people that they would show up. And yet the scripture records all the disciples forsook him and fled from him in the garden of Gethsemane, even including John. And that it is John, the only one that we have record of, that showed back up at the foot of the cross. And so at the foot of the cross, the father isn't there, maybe dead. His siblings, Jesus' siblings are not there. None of his disciples except John is there. He lacks the concern of most of his own people. But among all those who are not there, there is his mother, Mary. Thank goodness for mom. I realize Joseph may have been dead and in today's world, we are suffering from a father's absence. More than one in four children live without a father in the home as a society. Based upon that, I believe we need to esteem high the mothers that have reared their children and provided for their children by themselves. We need to applaud the role of motherhood. And in Jesus' case, when he was being crucified, mind you, when he was being falsely accused, when he was being mocked, when he was being made literally laid bare before the populace and the people, his mother was standing somewhere close with a watchful eye. She may have not been able to change the dynamics of the situation in that moment, but the fact of the matter is this, at least she was there. Jesus would not have wanted her to change his circumstances. But he did see from the cross, among all the faces and the jeering eyes and mouths that were there, he could see his mother. He knew that she was there at his dedication. She was there when he was 12 years old in the temple. She was there when he performed his first miracle. At Cana, the marriage there in Galilee. And now she is there during one of the most trying times of his life when he's being falsely accused and his life is quote-unquote being taken, amen, for something, amen, that he has not done. A connection is made for us here in John chapter 19. The soldiers, the Bible says, are dividing the clothes of Jesus. They have distributed the headpiece and the sandals and the belt and the outer garment, amen. But the Bible says they also were contending with what was known as his undergarment. In the Greek, it's called the ketone. Uh, they're turning their attention toward that. They're going to gamble and cast lots for his undergarment, this ketone. And in that moment, the Bible almost makes a connection. In the moment that they are handling and gambling for this ketone, this undergarment, it's in this moment the scripture portrays that Jesus sees his mother. When we look at verse number 25, it's basically given us the setting, if you will, of the atmosphere. It's describing that she is among some other 
women that are near the cross. But when they begin to particularly mess with the undergarment, it's as though Jesus' mind goes to his mother. It's as if he looks for his mother and then sees his mother standing there at the foot of the cross. It is the ketone or this other this undergarment that here in scripture really takes a center stage for us today. Because according to Jewish tradition, it was the custom of Jewish mothers to make and give their sons such a garment as a last gift before entering the world. In other words, when they laid hands on that undergarment, they laid hands on something that perhaps his mother had made for him when he entered into the world. This is not uncommon. We read of a woman. We read of women throughout Scripture, and even in Proverbs 31. In Proverbs 31 and verse 19, the Bible says, She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. The spindle and the distaff are instruments for spinning thread. The wool or the flax was upon a row, upon a distaff, and then she would have her hand upon the spindle, twisting the thread. Amen. Would take place upon that instrument. Proverbs 31 gives us the account of a woman working with wool and with flax, working with her hands. It gives us the account of a woman, a mother might you will, clothing her household, clothing her husband, clothing her children by the makeup of, of her own hands. These were the actions of a virtuous woman. These were the actions, if you will, of a mother. And so if Jewish mothers gave their sons an undergarment upon entering the world, a ketone, then Mary would have done the same for Jesus. And this may be why Jesus saw her and sought for her with his eyes. Because the soldiers, again, were gambling for something that was a gift from his mother. Listen, folks, no matter what else he wore, no matter what other outside outward articles of clothing that he would have on, the garment that his mother made would be the one that would be nearest to him, both literally and figuratively, because his mom made that garment. That garment would be the first layer of covering that he would have upon himself it would be the first layer of protection that he would have upon his body up until this moment and customarily it would have come from his mom Mary you got to understand something Mary as a mother it's quite possible that she has been creating or had created this garment during his years at home amen he's, he's she's been creating this she's been working on this for the moment whenever he would leave amen but he's going to wear that whenever he enters the real world it would be a garment that he would even wear as we see here until his death I want to make a cry to all mothers today that's watching this live stream this morning mothers understand this well that what you do in the home your kids will wear for the rest of their lives what you do what you create what you make what you fashion with your hands and your words and your concepts and your ideas what you invest in that moment in the home they'll wear for the rest of their lives and so I admonish you this morning don't skimp on the materials don't don't try to be cheap with what you're working with use the best of machinery use the best of materials make sure it's durable make sure it's of quality because what you create in the home you're going to drape over their shoulders whenever they enter the real world and always remember this they will always remember 
you in conjunction with what you created in their life. Consider your mother. John gives a detailed description of this garment. It really does. None of the other gospel writers necessarily does this, but John does. He gives a detailed description of this garment. He says, the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. John could do this, of course, because John is the disciple that was there at the base of the cross. But John could also do this because this wasn't the first time he saw this garment. If you'll remember a few moments prior to this in the scripture of John, all the disciples are in a particular area. They're going to share a meal. But on this particular night, the Bible says this same Jesus would teach his disciples about greatness. He would teach his disciples about greatness through the example of washing feet. And the scripture records for us in that moment of that night that he laid aside his garments. Of course, meaning the outward garments, all those outward effects, but no doubt keeping and remaining the undergarment upon his skin, closest to his skin. He would lay aside all of his garments and gird himself with a towel, right? And he would begin to wash his disciples' feet. Meaning the only garment, if you will, that is visible to everybody sitting at the table is his ketone. It is that undergarment that his mama has made him. Perhaps John, seeing the seamless garment at the foot of the cross, takes him all the way back to the moment that he had seen the seamless garment before whenever Jesus was teaching them about who was the greatest in the kingdom. The lesson that they learned that day from a man that was solely clothed with a garment his mom made him and a servant's towel around his waist was this, the lesson, the great are the humble, the great are the servants. And I wonder in that moment, John and this whole area being in a society where woman, women were equated with slaves, here kneeled a man in a mother-made garment, washing feet as a slave. All of the garments are discarded. I wonder if that moment as John looked and appeared and thinking even upon it now, I wonder if what he saw in Jesus in that moment washing feet looked much like mothers to John in that moment. Because what Jesus was doing that moment was, if you will, the office of a servant. But he's doing the office of the servant adorned in a mother-made garment. No doubt John's mind had to go to the fact that in their culture, mother just didn't have no rights, no status. She was equal to a servant. But Jesus keeps that, that robe on that mama made as he bends down and washes feet and he's teaching a lesson. This is the greatest in the kingdom. I wonder if John equated with that. Perhaps mothers have a greater aspect in our life than what we culturally have even accepted. Consider, consider mother. Amen. A couple of occasions, the Bible records that Mary kept all these things in her heart, Scripture says. Another place in Scripture, it says that she pondered some things. She kept and pondered some things in her heart one of the times that this is mentioned in the scripture is when the shepherds come to the birth of jesus to where he is in the manger they have already heard the proclamation of the angel and with that they went to see where this child lay they go to where jesus is and when they come to the place where jesus is along with joseph and mary being there 
the Bible also conveys that the shepherds told or made known all things that were told to them by the angel. One of the things that the angel had told the shepherds that evidently the shepherds are telling everyone and I uh, deduced this morning including Mary and Joseph in this moment that they went to visit Jesus is Luke 2.11 this is what the angel said to the shepherds no doubt that the shepherds also make known the Bible says the angel said for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior which is Christ the Lord the shepherds told Mary the saying of the angel. Then Mary heard those shepherds tell her that her baby was a savior. Then Mary heard those angels tell her that her baby was the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah. See, Mary knew that kings were anointed according to Old Testament scripture. She knew the prophets were anointed and priests were anointed. And so when we consider that, whenever John gives the description that there is this mother-made garment, this undergarment that is seamless, it's without seam, and it's sewn throughout. Whenever John gives us the description of that mother-made garment, we can look throughout Old Testament scripture and many other scholars come to bear upon this, that that description fits the description of an article of clothing that the high priest would have worn. So there's two facts important about this. That both what a high priest wore and what Jesus had on were seamless. And number two, they were not to be rent, according to Old Testament rent, that garment of the high priest. And neither was this garment rent. It was seamless and it wasn't rent. And so there's an association here. In other words, what had been covering Jesus, what had been a line of protection that his mother had made for him was now becoming a revelation to everyone that seen, amen, this in this moment. What his mom had held in her heart, <laughs> the fact that this boy, that the shepherds and the angels had proclaimed that this boy is the Christ, what she has held in her heart, she has now put upon him before he's left home. There may be, can I tell or talk to maybe a few mothers this morning that may feel as though that your significance in the family isn't much. Your contribution to the family, you feel as though maybe it's subpar or maybe it's not as important as, as the father influence or this influence or the other. Amen. Mary's influence, according to her society, may have been partially limited because of her culture. Amen. While today I see mothers all the time limiting themselves, uh, underappreciating themselves because of estimations they've made about themselves that they believe and they take at face value the voices in their head that tells them they're not much you know all I do is do laundry and cook and clean and some of them have secular jobs I understand that but sometimes this idea of even just being a homemaker people are looking down their noses mother are looking down their own noses at themselves believing well this is all I do honey let me tell you if you're creating something in the home you put on your kids then that is very very valuable Mary held all these things in her heart she didn't say too much we don't hear a lot of words spoken from Mary but what she lacked insane she made up for when she draped that garment upon Jesus' body because when everything else was stripped from him amen that garment that Mary had made her son was still speaking about his core identity who he was while some were wagging their head over that 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 
title that was placed above Jesus on the cross. Here is the king of the Jews and some were wagging now. Whenever he was stripped down and that undergarment were being, amen, gambled for, it had that close connection and description to a high priest garment. They knew in that moment that perhaps this boy is who he says he is. Even the garment his mother made testifies him to being the anointed one, the Christ, the high priest. He would be that high priest that would enter once and for all. And what Mary held in her heart, she put on her son. Mary didn't put that on him because she had greater hopes for him than what he had for himself. She put that upon him because that is what she knew him to be. Mothers, clothe your kids as you see and know them to be, whether anybody else sees it or not, whether anybody else has the same perspective as you or not. See, Mary kept things in her heart because she couldn't just come out and say it. Again, her testimony would be inadmissible in a court of law. But her testimony was screaming loud and clear at the base of the cross through the garment she had made for her son. Mama was close to the cross. Mama wasn't seen as a threat. Unfortunate for them, those soldiers and everybody else that had chosen to crucify him, Mama had already made her move. She had already made her contribution in her home. And it was now displayed in the public's eye through his garment. According to culture, the Romans crucified their victims naked. I know today that many times we see pictures depicted, and I know we do that with censorship, loincloth often depicted in paintings and, and pictures, but the Romans crucified their victims naked. Even other traditions tell us that most Jewish teachers allowed men to be executed naked. And so crucifix was quite, not just the pain and the agony of the crucifix, but it was quite humiliating. Crucifix is where you were laid bare, literally laid bare. I want you to ponder here with me, Mom. I won't hold you much longer. Ponder for a moment that the shame that one would experience from the nakedness or even taking in and viewing and seeing another individual on a cross naked, the shame from the nakedness in that moment, I don't see how a good Jewish person could not be taken all the way back to the original nakedness in the Garden of Eden and the shame that was felt by the recognition after the transgression and the sin of Adam and Eve to denote we were naked before you, Lord, and we went and hid or we sewed fig leaves together. There is a connection. Here is the nakedness of the Savior who's dying for the sins of the world taking us all the way back to a nakedness that was brought to the surface and realized because of sin entering the world. And the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible, it's very old. That ketone, that Greek word for that undergarment in John 19, the ketone is also the word used of Adam's garment of skin that was made by God in Genesis 3.21. You remember that their leaves and their fig leaves and such was not ample, but the Bible says to the Lord God, 
made them some clothes and that he clothed them. That was the first Adam. But when we speak about Jesus Christ, the Bible explains him to be the second Adam. The first Adam had his ketone made by God. The second Adam had his ketone made by his mother. Significant to me, maybe not to you, but where God made the first one, he entrusted into the hands of Jesus's mother to make it for the second Adam. And when the first covered what was revealed, right? It covered the nakedness. It covered that the reality that these people understand that they have transgressed in their sin. That first garment covered what was revealed. That second garment that would be made by his mother, Jesus, it was revealing what had been covered. That he was the Christ. He was the son of the living God. And it was all because of the aid of a mother. I come to a close here this morning that we need to take today and other days as well. But we need to take today and take a moment of pause to behold and consider our mothers today. Whatever estimation the person may have of their mom, they need to consider the time that was spent perhaps in the home. The times uh, that there was something created that she put upon our lives as we stepped into the real world that has been of some aid, some help, some contribution to our lives. I'm going to ask Brother and Sister Mason to come, amen, this morning one time, one more time, as we close out this service this morning. Moms will not be forgotten. Jesus did not forget his in the agony of the cross. He sought for her with her, his eyes. When no one else was seemingly there of connection or relative, mom was there. We find that so many times in real lives that when no one else is there, no one else abounds, that mom is there. Again, the soldier that's dying on the battlefield, brute, veteran, if you will, of war. People that are in those type of scenarios give witness and testimony that it is the words of mom or mother that's coming from their lips. I wonder today if we could just bow our heads wherever we are. Amen. We need to give some consideration to mother today. Thank God for the Marys. Thank God for the Marys that maybe society didn't elevate, but God elevated and had a specific role and a specific purpose for her in the life of her children, for her in the life, if you will, of a nation of Israel to proclaim who is that anointed one. Who is that Messiah that every eye is looking toward? I want you to know that mother had a hand in that. From the things that she held in her heart, she expressed in what she put upon that kid's life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I come to you today. I'm thankful, Lord. God, for your love. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, this morning that you have given us, Lord, the role, the responsibility, God, the position of mothers and motherhood, Lord. We're so grateful today. 
We're grateful, Lord, for the investments that they have made in the lives of their children. We're grateful, Lord, for the investments that they have made in the lives of those of the church. God, there are some, Lord, that even in, Lord, this, this house of worship that have adopted mothers. Uh, Lord Jesus, whether it be figuratively or literally, there is adoptive mothers that have chosen and taken under their arms, Lord Jesus, children to rear and raise and invest themselves in. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, the words that they speak in their ears as young ones, the Lord, advice that they give and send them out the door to start their own, Lord, lives, Lord, with husbands or wives or Lord Jesus and children are born. The, the steady, Lord God, just the steadiness of them being there. Help us, Lord, today to be able to seek out with our eyes and look around and among all the people that are there to pick upon our mother today. And Jesus, as Jesus saw his mother, let us see our mother today for who she is and for how she has contributed to our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you this morning. There is no service tonight, but let's worship the Lord one more time. And let's be reflective today concerning mothers. Amen. As we end this service today in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.